The Drive with Tim Donnelly, 99.9 The Fan. It is time to update the Bryceometer. This is the measuring system we've used for the entire rookie season of Bryce Young's career to decide how confident we are in him. And it looked like, what is it now, two weeks ago, it looked like he had a game-winning drive followed up by his first 300-yard passing day. It looked like we were going to get to end the the season at least where we started, kind of right in that middle, right in that neutral section. But no. Two really, really bad games, and he's back down. He's He's just below where he began he's a half slice if you will on the bryceometer if you're you're watching this on the wral sports fan live stream you can see it over my shoulder if you're watching this on youtube you can see it over my shoulder if you're just listening i will describe it to you as um it is i'd say like 40 percent if we're going in like a full 100 percent on the meter 40 percent right between two slices that we have labeled as no way he's actually 510 and that's my quarterback I'm going to be be harsh and also give you the optimism of Bryce Young. Bryce Young has a list of things he needs to work on, both like X's and O's technical football and also the other side of being an NFL quarterback, right? The, the management, personal, sociological, I don't even know if that's a word, sociology side. But he is not a lost cause, right? He is by no means are you cutting baits. By no means are you moving on. First of all, this season has been a a wildly difficult season for everyone around Bryce Young. They did not put enough talent around him. They did not execute well enough. They did not have a great um, scheme around him. And that's going to be tough for any rookie quarterback. And it's malpractice not to mention that one of the things that I've been saying from the very beginning is being echoed by Hayden Hurst uh the veteran tight end that was signed as a free agent ended the season on IR uh here's Hayden Hurst talking about Bryce Young and what he's had to deal with I think when you have a young kid like that um again you know you come from Alabama and there's one voice of reason so you know you think they have your best interest in heart and unfortunately I think we at the NFL there's a lot of people that want to maybe put their stamp on it or you know this is I was the one that kind of got him there so it'll be good for Bryce to have consistency this offseason one voice tell him what to do and kind of guide him in the right direction too many voices from the jump it was something I was worried about from the jump Here's Bryce Young. He was asked about Hurst's comments. So those comments you just heard, later in the media availability, the, those comments were brought to Bryce Young. Here's his reaction. Everyone wants to help. That's the thing. Everyone's involved. Everyone's invested. And I don't feel like it was, I don't feel like it was too much. I feel like, you know, we all want to get coached. We all want to be, um, you know, we all want to, um, you know, consult others. Um, I've definitely been able to talk with Hayden. And Hayden's been, been great to work with. Um, he's been he's been. You know, great on the field and off the field. Uh, I've learned a lot from him. Um, so I really, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. I know where he's coming from. But, you know, I think we, you know, that's part of it. You balance it. Um, I'm just grateful for the, the buy-in that, that everyone has. Of course he says the right thing. I think it's interesting. Uh, the Hayden Hurst part where he said everybody kind of wants to have their hand in it and be, I do think there was part of that. And I hadn't thought about it until he said it. 
I do think there was kind of everybody wanted to be the one that that added the wrinkle or or gave the piece of golden wisdom that unlocked Bryce Young. And what that ended up being was like 12 pieces of golden wisdom. And anyone that's ever played a sport before knows you can't have 12 thoughts simultaneously. You can't have 12 thoughts simultaneously. So think of all the people putting putting a little birdie in his ear, right? There's Frank Reich would have. Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, would have. Uh, David Caldwell, the the uh, senior offensive analyst, would have. Or what I who's David Caldwell? I'll find out. Jim Caldwell. David Caldwell is someone. I've been messing up first names recently. I gotta just say last names. Caldwell. The senior offensive assistant would have uh, Josh McCown, the offensive coordinator, or sorry, offensive uh, quarterbacks coach would have. Maybe even an Andy Dalton being the veteran in the room. Maybe even a personal quarterbacks coach. Maybe even uh, uh, Bill O'Brien, his coordinator from college. Maybe even a little Saban text here or there. Hey, just remember about work on your footwork. That's too many voices. That's too many voices. But that's not the only thing that that was holding him back. It wasn't all circumstantial. I think he really got his footwork into a place where where he was getting a little happy feet, started feeling pressure where there wasn't pressure, right? And if you get hit enough times, that's one of the things you worry about. You start to look at the rush rather than feel the rush. You start to, to kind of get a little antsy. I think that's something he has to work on, right? And that's why the muscle memory of your footwork on drops and, and on ball handling and things is so important because then even when your brain's getting a little antsy, your body's like, nope, this is what we're going to do here. I think he needs to work on leadership, but what I mean by that is specifically holding the team accountable on a team of professionals. It's difficult. I I can't imagine what it would be like. Imagine walking straight out of college to your first job, and there are people there that have been you know, in the industry for 10 years, super accomplished, awards. And you have to look at them and say, no, 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 you're going to do what I say, and if you don't, I'm going to be kind of upset at you. I'm going to be mad. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to it. That's difficult. And lastly, I need him to use his legs. Every time he runs, it's a pleasant surprise by how quick and agile he looks. Every time he runs, it's like, oh, look at that. He made a guy miss. Oh, look at that. And he avoided the, the big hit at the end. Do that more. If, if if the passing game is going to take a while for you to fully get your arms wrapped around, fine. Oh, don't know what I'm looking at here. Confused. Go pick up a first down. Heck, pick up four yards. The difference between taking those sacks and picking up two yards is huge. It changes the entire schedule of your drive. That's why those are some of the things he needs to work on. And then the last, and, and I don't think I, I, like this is a huge red flag, I want him to be a bit more authentic. I I do feel like he's so polished that we don't get to see anything from him. And and he's not quite as far as, like, I think a Russell Wilson has gotten at times in his career or anything like that. But I, I want to make sure he gets comfortable showing a little bit of himself, right? Being Bryce. And I wish I knew what that was, but I really don't because I don't think he's really ever shown us. No, he's very well trained. He's and it's almost like, you know, I I I've said this before. I want my quarterbacks to be themselves because if you're just doing like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady impression, 
then it's it's like even in a game, it's not like, oh, would I make this throw? It's would would Peyton make this throw? Okay, now it's like there's that extra beat where you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes. I just don't like it. So, you know, I, I feel like every answer we've gotten to every media question he's been asked has come from like the Peyton Manning, Manning Academy school of work in the media. And and it just I just don't want it. I want something a little more, a little more authentic, a little more, a little, just a little bit. After losses, go full, full Manning School of of media. But after wins, give us just ten percent of you. It's time for the podium. We do it every Monday, and it's 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 about the triangle teams in the ACC. We look at the last week, so it's it's not all cumulative. This is not a season-long deal. It is over the last week who's earned the gold, who's earned the silver, who's earned the bronze, and who is off the podium when it comes to the four men's basketball teams in the ACC. We did it throughout football season. Now we're doing it throughout basketball season. And as always, we start off the podium. And let me just say this. The the four teams in the last week, 8-0. Yeah. They've so, all looked pretty good at different spots, too. This, I mean, there's this one's tough. But unfortunately, uh, everybody doesn't get a trophy here on this show, right? If if we have three trophies to give out, we have to say someone's off the podium. So, NC State, you're off the podium. It's not really a – it's a quality of win thing, I guess. And your win against Notre Dame by two is is – the worst quality of win just because and your schedule didn't exactly put a heavy hitting lineup for you to kind of open your uh, ACC play going Notre Dame UVA so it's maybe there's nothing you could have done about it maybe if you would have beaten Notre Dame by 20 you would have gotten out of the uh the off the podium what I will say is the experience gained this week for NC State may lead to them getting some golds and silvers in future weeks for this basketball season because they learned how to how to win ugly against Notre Dame, and I think they looked as good as they've looked all season against UVA. So if they can build off of those two games, maybe that'll set them up. I mean, they have a big game on Wednesday. I don't think we have to hide that from anybody. They're playing UNC. Yeah, uh, home game. Uh, uh, that game could very easily set them up to be gold next week, uh, and, and that would come with, with building on uh, both the Notre Dame and UVA wins. Uh, I, I like the emergence of uh, Dennis Parker Jr. I like the emergence of DJ Burns' clutch threat. I like the emergence of, of DJ Horn and, and obviously the depth that they have. So uh, off the podium, again, everybody doesn't get a trophy, but it was still a pretty good week. You'll take 2-0 and every single time. Bronze, another 2-0 and team. Another team that beat Notre Dame probably by a little less than they want to. Turns out if you play Notre Dame, you're not going to get a lot of respect from us here at the podium. Uh, Duke. Duke beat Syracuse 86-66 in a game that was close at half. Uh, and then they beat Notre Dame 67-59. Uh, it's just they 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 weren't dominant enough. The, the opponents weren't as highly ranked enough. Uh, they didn't change our opinion of Duke at all. Right? I think going into to really all four games we've talked about, the two for NC State, the two for Duke, we thought something about the the teams after the game. We thought similarly, right? We thought the better team was going to win, and they did. We thought they were going to do some things that we we hoped they did well, and they did. Um, so no surprises here. Duke took care of business. 
Uh, the trip to Syracuse, as I described it, very business trip-like. Go up there, take care of business, get yourself out of the cold, and come back down south. Uh, the Notre Dame game, 67-59. I would have liked to have seen a 15-point win, but we're nitpicking. Silver. One of the surprises of the ACC thus far. Wake Forest is on a nine-game win streak. Wake Forest is cooking something up here. Uh, they beat Boston College 84-78. That's not great, but they beat Miami 86-82 in overtime. Miami is one of the, the more formidable teams in the ACC. That's a really, really good win for Wake. The streak, the the they've had different players stepping up. Pendrith, uh, they, they've, they've had Carr step up. They, I mean, Efton Reed. That's basically, I love how uh, Jim Laranega, the Miami coach, described Wake Forest. Like, oh, you know, they're one of the better teams, deeper teams. They, you know, it's very complimentary of Wake Forest. And he goes, and now they have Efton Reed. Because uh, Efton Reed wasn't eligible at the beginning of the year, but became eligible more recently. And he's a seven-footer that's really good, a transfer from Gonzaga. So, Laranega said it right, right? Like, they were pretty good before they got that guy. Now they have a really versatile and solid seven-footer to add to the lineup. That helps. And that helps their X's and O's games a lot of different ways, right? Uh, that allows Andrew Carr, the 6'9 big, to be more of a stretch big because they have a guy patrolling the middle and then on and on and on and on. Uh, allows Marsh, their other 7-footer, to be more of a uh, in-spurts guy rather than a we-depend-on-him-a-lot guy. It's just it's really good for Wake Forest. The overtime win was big. Um, and do you know what else it does? Because I can, I can actually preview. We do cons and cons. What are you confident in? What are you concerned about for these four teams? later in the week. Um, my number one concern for Wake the past, like, four weeks has been they haven't won any close game, right? They were, uh, I think it was 9-0 and in games decided by 10 or more, and they were 0-3 in games decided by single digits. Well, this week they won a six-point game against Boston College and an overtime game against Miami. Can't get much closer than that. So you're checking boxes, Wake. You're checking boxes. Yeah, don't sleep on Wake. They'll catch you. Gold medalist, you can you can get it by process of elimination if you've been keeping track. Uh, UNC, North Carolina. They beat Pitt 70-57. That was very much enough, right? 13-point win. was close at half, but she took care of business. And Pitt, I believe, is an underrated squad. Uh, and the then Pitt they, team that beat them five out of the last six. True. And they've got a capel on the sideline, which is always an interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they beat Clemson 65-55. Uh, Clemson at the time was 16th in the country. They had lost to Miami. Now they've lost to UNC, so that rating will come down. But Clemson's still a good team, uh, and it was a, a statement win from North Carolina on the defensive end. I think Clemson, I think, is down to the 21 or 22, but they're still ranked. Still ranked. Still by quad the, one. By the way, Wake Forest received votes. If you go the also receiving mm -hmm. votes, would have been like 32. NC State also picked up votes. I think Duke was 11th. For a track and and UNC head. up to 7th. So, yes, everyone here getting votes. Everybody here is moving in the right direction. That's a that, great point. Everybody here is mo uh, meaning NC State, Duke, Wake Forest, and UNC in the order of the podium as we just read them, all moving in the right direction up the podium, which is doing a few things. One, it's good for the ACC because good teams, you know, raise all boats, whatever. Uh, but also setting us up for some really, really fun games later in the season, starting on Wednesday with UNC, NC State. Uh when the triangle teams and when, and when Wake gets involved with the triangle teams, those are going to be some really, really fun games. Obviously, they have history, but it's uh, it's always better when the teams are good. Let's just call it like it, like it is, right? It's always better when the teams are good.